It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the show tonight. Of course, we are We The People Radio. This is your boy, Anthony Armand, and once again, we are joined by Mikey. Good evening. Um, the lovely Miss Plain Jane. What's poppin'? And the forever beautiful Miss Sheila Beale. Hey, guys. So... Tonight we're going to be discussing the topic of immigration in America and how we deal with it, um, the things that are going on, you know, that fantastic wall that will hopefully never be built, um, DACA, visas, everything concerning immigration. Um, if you have any comments or concerns on it, you can give us a call at 646-668-8479. You can also feel free to join us on Twitter at we the People RDIO and just add us. Um, also on Facebook, we are We The People Radio. Listen along here, call in, do whatever you got to do. But we'd also appreciate the feedback if you got it. We're going to step away for a second, and then we're going to come back with the news with Miss Plain Jane. So uh, give us just a minute. Oh! 
All right, and welcome back. Once again, you can call us at 646-668-8479. That is 646-668-8479. Call in and listen. Call in and join the discussion. We like that a lot. And right now we're going to toss it over to Miss Plain Jane for the news segment. What you got for us, kid? Hello, hello, awesome people. On today's news this week, Michigan is practically giving away clean water, but not the Flint which is kind of sad because, you know, it's in its own state. So for four years, Flint's residents have lived on bottles of waters delivered by the state government by the thousands. On April 12th, the Michigan Department of Environmental Quality approved a widely protested plan that would allow the snack company, Nestle's, to pump 250 gallons of water a minute, a minute. I don't know if you know or good at math or anything, but that's a lot of freaking water. So, from a White Pine Springs company that will bottle and brand and sell for about two fifty a pop, which brings an outrage issue for increasing international importance. The private uh, sorry, the privatization of water. So, I just want to say that a man I don't I don't really know his name because I can't remember and I should have written it down. But um, sorry, Nestle was the name. Sorry, I've been saying this for like years and not pronounced it wrong. But um, he said that water shouldn't be free; it should be sold. And I just want to say that that's pure freaking capitalism. And for your own people, for people that are fighting for the rights of others in different country, how come no one's still making this an issue? Thoughts? Anyone? Anyone? Thoughts? We already pay for water. It's not free. Unless you no, have a but... well, I mean, <laughs> well, it's not true. it's not free. You pay for water. We have for years. See, and they don't mind guess... paying for the water up there. It's just that the water they're paying for looks like the water that you have in the toilet after you go poo poo. Yeah, that's a problem. That is right. Exactly. So yeah, so paying for brown you... water that kind of has lead in it and leads to. Diseases and birth um, birth issues and what do you call those things? Not birth control because you know people drink the hell out of that water. Birth defects. But um, birth defects. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're <laughs> welcome. You know those kind of things. That that's the the problem with it. And then you're off selling fresh water to Nestle after telling people, nah, we're not going to let you do the water delivery. That's why I'm glad so many other people are stepping up. And I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but this is my hometown, and I still got family up there. So you know, there, you, you got like Will Smith and a couple of other cats, you know, and some football players on the Detroit Lions and basketball players and stuff that are stepping up and still going to be doing deliveries and pushing stuff, even though the government doesn't want that to happen because you know they want Flint. So, but why do they want Flint though? That's the question I was trying to like ask myself. Because What's so important well, about that specific place? Back in the day, Flint was uh, big with GM and stuff like that. You know, it's still a town. People want cities. And so as people come out of the country and they want to get into cities, you can make a lot of money by doing gentrification on the inner city. Put everything in the hub, surround it, you know, shops and all the stuff like that. And and in its current condition, unfortunately, they're not going to do that to Flint. Flint's not going to see that level of development and stuff like that because they've been trying it for years and the residents have never left. So now you have more drastic, you know, things. Everybody left Detroit, so Detroit was able to gentrify, and mm-hmm. it changed its whole way. 
but people aren't leaving Flint. That's sad. So they just want to kill off the people legally or whatever sorts of legal terms that they think that they have just so that they can move out. Basically. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's awesome. Not really. Brings me to another, um, yeah, sort of news. Okay, in response to the chemical attack that we had last week, Trump and his tweeting fingers says that um, Trump warned Syria that they should get ready for a missile strike, vowing to prevent any missile defenses, and tweets Russia vows to shoot down any and all missiles fired at Syria. Get ready, Russia, because they'll be coming nice, smart, and new. You shouldn't be sorry. You shouldn't be partners with a gas-killing animal who kills his people and enjoys it. But he doesn't address the issues that's going on inside of the inner cities. I just want to say that. So, uh, I'm I'm not going to rant really long, but I, I do have just a few things to say about this. First of all, um, you know we've already sent missiles over there. We've already bombed stri- three strategic locations. Um, he did that at 10 o'clock the other night, just to, or our time anyway, 10, 10 o'clock Eastern. He came out and said, yeah, we're dropping missiles over there. Um, Russia claims to have irrefutable evidence that the chemical attack that provoked the attack was carried out by the British. So, well, we'll see if that actually comes to light. I like how they said they have irrefutable evidence, but have yet to provide the irrefutable evidence. So, one thing that struck Could me you imagine what happens if they did it? Oh, man, if they did actually have the irrefutable evidence, hmm. nothing would change. I mean, we would we would <laughs> like to think that, that everything, that it, it would prove everything that people like us have been saying for years and... And they'd find some way to justify it. Nothing would change. Maybe more people would wake up to the fact that it is that the war machine is real and that it's all it's all planned, it's all strategic, but probably not. But wouldn't it prove like things like nine eleven and Pearl Harbor and all these other things that started wars? It would. Absolutely it would. If people see and, and that brings me to my next point. So I watched that press conference super late Friday night. I I watched the um, the press conference from the president, and I watched it from the um, secretary of defense or whoever the heck that guy was who was up there talking after he did. And one of the last things that he said, he used a phrase that um, that just sort of stuck out in my mind. Like as soon as he said it, and then he kept repeating it. And I wanna I wanna look it up because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, it was white power, white power, white power. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. No. It was. <laughs> it was something about expect um, false news or get ready for get ready for for misinfor a disinformation campaign. There it is. He said, "Get ready for a disinformation campaign full of false news stories to come." Because Russia, um, there was an article posted on Reuters six hours before it happened, with, and that was the first time that Russia claimed that the chemical attack was carried out by the U.K. 
And that was before the missiles started falling. So they they claimed that it was carried out by the British before we intervened. And then the last thing I want to say about the whole thing is um, Trump Trump got some got some brass balls on him in my opinion because not only did this fool sidestep Congress, he sidestepped the UN too. Like. The United Nations didn't have a clue he was doing this. He reformed the Allied powers from World War II to start World War III. So. Oh, I got something on that. This was dated uh, August 30th, 2013. The president must get congressional approval before attacking, before attacking Syria. Big mistake if he does not. That was tweeted by Donald Trump. Donald um, Trump, yeah, no, I've seen that float then, around. That's pretty funny. He also said, it's "Now not, that Obama's poll numbers are in tailspin, watch for him to launch a strike in Libya or Iran. He is desperate." Seems like um, deja vu. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah. Um. So, uh, well, you guys, you know, took my story. So you basically got I'm so, it. I'm I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to yeah. I didn't mean to steal the spotlight. I feel bad. Like I was just I I get passionate about this stuff because a lot of people don't. Like most people when it comes to, to news stories that happen around the world, like there's I would say a majority of the American people don't even realize that we have troops over in Syria and that we're carrying out stuff over there. So I get I get excited and apparently jump the gun and steal news stories. So I apologize, Plain Jane. I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. You should just be the newscaster too. No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you're so great. Oh. So I will add, you know, since you didn't have that, you know, this part in your story, I will <laughs> add that a um that a medical student working at I, I don't want to say this. Well, at the hospital where the people, all the people that were, I guess, you know, supposedly gassed were um, stationed at, um, the the dude said that an unknown man that just came to him out of nowhere that was helping the people out, I guess, the patients, he said, relatives of the victims started dousing each other with water. Other people who didn't seem to have medical training started administrating anti-asthma medicine to the children. We didn't see any patients with symptoms of chemical weapons poisoning. So I don't know if that kind of like confirms anything. Or I um anything I saw that. that video too. They it it was weird because they did they did have hoses and they were dousing everybody in that hospital. They were just like pouring water on them, like just squirting them down. Plus, I mean, it, it made um I mean, it, it it was a compelling video. Like it sort of makes you go. Hmm. So I don't know. It's it's weird because I don't I don't think that if someone has been attacked by chemical weapons that spraying them with a garden hose is going to do anything to help them. Exactly. And I was just like, uh, I don't know. And there were, but I also, oh, go ahead. There were a bunch of kids too that that just kept getting sprayed down. So. I just feel bad for 
like all these innocent people that are actually getting involved. I'm sure like the higher ups don't care, but it's just like there's a bloodline being taken out and destroyed all because of your war conflict with this country, which really has to do with like a couple of people that you just don't like that just don't agree with your views. And I thought it was kind of weird before I read all this that I saw on the news, like people kind of like just bleeding or like bleeding out and stuff like that. I was just like, well, I don't know if chemicals do that. Like, don't you just die from like, you know, just pass out? Why are you no. bleeding out the ears and foaming out the mouth? Like, I don't know. Depending on what it is. Yeah, you are. It's pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, Dom gassed his own people back in the days. It was bad, dude. And they had pictures of that. But the the supposed chemical in question is chlorine. Um, I mean, and you know, we deal with chlorine and stuff all the time. But the chlorine gas, it it's not it's not going to kill you instantly, but it it does it wreaks havoc on your lungs. So it's. It's the it's the mustard gases and the other things like that 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 causes the bleeding out of all the orifices. Mm-hmm. So we, we so we we just still don't know. Besides, I mean, the chlorine. Well, they were they they really didn't they they were very hesitant to say, and they're still not saying. They they were supposed to hold another press conference Saturday morning, but I never really saw it happen. And I wasn't able to find any any clips or anything because they were supposed to give mm-hmm. a more detailed account of the news story um, Saturday morning after the dust settled. But I, I never really saw it. But no, when they were talking about it Friday night, they they didn't want to say what chemical it was. They I finally know. The, well, the best thing that they would say is that they suspected that it was chlorine gas and possibly mustard gas, but they didn't. They never actually just came out and said, yes, this is what they used, probably because because it's false flag, <laughs> because there was no gas used, and it was just an mm. excuse for us to go pick a fight somewhere else that we don't need to be. Right the, on the, the money, thing, Mikey. The whole thing to me seems like it was the best way that we could provoke Russia without actually bombing Russia. Truly. We were we were hoping they would retaliate and that it would kick off World War Three right then and there, but they didn't. I'm so, so glad they did it. Thank Jesus. Uh, yeah, I know. So, so, so thank you, Russia, for not ending the world last Friday night. We appreciate it. <laughs> so close to Infinity War, too, man. They keep trying me. I know. Just, a, just a, I need I need just two more weeks. Not Thursday, but and then next we can Thursday. see exactly how it's going to go down. Let me right. let and prepare me ourselves, the and then and then I guess the world could end if it has to. But yeah, two, we just need to make it two more weeks. And to Comic Con because you know people's got tickets already. Well, so. that that would be great, but I'm I'm not that optimistic. July is really far away. Infinity War is just two weeks. <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like we might can hold out two more weeks. You don't think so? I don't know. That's a tough question. That I, they that drop I, it on that Friday. They drop it the Friday Infinity War is supposed to drop, and we saw it Thursday night. We're going to be like, yes, boom. Dead. <laughs> yep. Dead but happy. 
Been waiting on this movie for how how long now? <laughs> right. So, yeah. So b- before we step away, I do have one thing. Um, Starbucks sucks. Um, so some dudes were just chilling out in Starbucks in Philly, and they got the waiting cops on their friends. called on them. Yeah, they got cops called on them because they were waiting on their friends, and they hadn't ordered anything. Now, you had a bunch of white patrons that said, uh, dude, we do that all the time, and nobody's ever called the cops on us. But these cats were just sitting there waiting on a friend, and they hadn't ordered anything yet, so they had the cops called on them. The cops came and handcuffed them and led them out of the place. Not only did the Starbucks employee call them, but then the cops took it upon themselves to handcuff people who had done literally nothing. And not like just one or two cops, either, dude. Like the entire Philly police force showed up to escort wow. the brothers out of a... Successive. It was like six or seven people in there. Right. <laughs> but, yes, they had I the, mean, cops, you, you, the bike cops, and then they had the regular cops. Yep. That's what, that's what I was going to say. Um, my comment, because I, I, I watched this video less than an hour ago, and I was really wondering, like, it said, you know, they were arrested for being black in the tagline. So I knew where it was going to end. But the whole time I was sitting there thinking, what are they going to do with these guys? They're bike cops. Like, are they going to handcuff them to their huffies? Right. And make them walk behind them? So, I mean, I'm not trying to make light of the situation, but bike cops are like the lowest form of police officers. I'm surprised they <laughs> issue them weapons. I feel like the bike cops are just riding around with pepper spray. And handcuffs and hoping that it doesn't get out of line. Thank so I really I really feel like these bike cops were on a power trip. But, True. Most but no, they, they kept they kept the cops kept screaming at them that they were they were trespassing. That they were gonna they were being arrested for trespassing. At wow. a public place. And, you know, the manager, from what I was, um, from the information that I was told, because the first person who originally tweeted it, like, she, I saw it when she, pretty much when she first tweeted it on Twitter, and um, the manager never even asked them to leave. The manager straight up called the cops on them. Like, they didn't even give them the opportunity to leave. Like, wow, why are you scared and threatened about, of these people who are literally sitting here not doing anything? And then there was another person that was in there, and they were like, well, I've been sitting here, and I haven't ordered anything. I've been here for hours. Mm-hmm. Did anybody respond to that? Or did she just, like, I mean, ignore them? Oh, well, I mean, I don't, I don't know, honestly, like, what, they, what the cops responded to that comment. I just know that, um, that that's what some girl that was there said. Another customer. Yeah, the whole situation was terrible. It's like, what are we allowed to do? Like, breathe? Just walk around breathing? We have to get permission to do that, too? Like, my God. What the crap? You can't reach for your license. You can't sit in a Starbucks. You can't, like, there's nothing. I'm just trying to say the law was made first. Can't be on the phone in your grandma's backyard. Well, right. definitely yeah. can't do that. Or sell CDs outside of a gas station. Or Lucy. Or ride a, or ride a ATV. I'm sure y'all saw that too. I didn't, yep. I didn't, I didn't see that. A uh, 15 year old kid was riding a four wheeler and 
the um, I guess he had the cops called on him for something, and they were chasing him and then tased him while he was still moving, and he hit the back of a truck and then sat there for 10 minutes and died waiting on the paramedics. Wow. 15-year-old kid. Like, is no one suing these people? Can we, can we not? Now, I will say, though, that, that this is one of the few times to where there was, I mean, you can't really call it a positive ending, but the officer that discharged his taser was fired and has criminal charges up against him for uh, second-degree murder and involuntary manslaughter. A lot of them so, have charges against him. It's not about the charges being brought. It's whether it's, it's whether it's, or not he gets off, which I don't think I don't think that's gone that far yet. Yeah. But the only reason he was fired, it was not for killing the kid. It was because uh, the force that he worked for had a policy. They're not allowed to discharge a taser from a moving vehicle, which, in my opinion, is wow. a pretty darn good policy. So. Okay. Oh well. Not well, right. but like well, we'll do better. So we're gonna get ready to step away then and um get ready to come back and talk about immigration, United States, DACA, um visas, you know, a couple of different ways to get here uh legally, illegally. Um how difficult it actually is because, you know, so many people always like, why don't you just do it the right way? But they don't understand the amount of red tape and bull crap that you have to go through, let alone the amount of money that you have to shell out in order to do it, which is kind of ridiculous. So um, give us a few minutes. We're going to take a little Sam Cook break. Um, 646-668-8479 is the number. Please call. Let's have an open discussion about all this. Um, that number again is six four six 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 eight eight four seven nine. Long time coming 
coming, but I know a change gonna come. Oh, yes, it will. Then I go to my brother and I say, Brother, help me, please. But he winds up knocking me back down on my knees. Oh, there've been times that I thought I couldn't last for long, but now I think I'm able. But I know change gon' come. Oh, yes, it will. Coming in. Cool beans. And we're back to talk about our main topic now, um, which is immigration. Um, and like I said, we're going to talk all things immigration that we can. We're going to have a couple of people talk about their immigration experiences with the United States so that we know exactly what other people are facing because, you know, it is different. It's a lot of stuff that we're not used to um, in that if you're from here, you didn't have to go through. So there's a lot of hurdles. There's a lot of money involved in this. So, um with that being said, we're going to bring uh, Sheila Bila, who has some personal experience in this realm, on. And, Ms. Sheila, you got the mic. It's yours. Hey, guys. So this topic is pretty near and dear to my heart. Um, of course, I think I covered all this in the earlier show, but if you're, just, if you're turn, tuning in for the first time, I am from the Netherlands, and I am not an American citizen. I have a green card, and... Um, Every 10 years, I have to get my green card renewed, and usually it's a huge headache, but it's pretty much the same headache as if you were to get actual citizenship, so I just choose to renew it, so I don't have to think and take a test and do all that, and I get to keep my citizenship in the Netherlands, which is cool, but anytime I go to get it renewed, it's always a headache. I mean, like, this last time... um, I don't know. They always they always find something. So now you have to go purchase something or pay extra for whatever. And it already costs like over $400 to get it renewed. So that's number one. Then you have to get your license renewed. Well, your license expires at the same time as your green card. So anytime you get a new green card, you get a new driver's license, or you're supposed to. And it's even worse of a headache if you just got married and you have to change your last name and go through all that, which my mom just did. And um, it's just, it's really a scam, really, really. And it's just really ridiculous. And they, I feel like they, they keep pushing it and pushing it and making it worse, like, you know, to where it's harder and harder for just absolutely no reason. Like, you just make things difficult literally for no reason. Like, for example, we go to the immigration offices in Atlanta, and we walk in there. First of all, there's absolutely nobody in there, no customers at all. So me and my mom, we still have to go sign in and get a, get a ticket number. 
And there might have been, like, one other customer there. So we go get a ticket number, and we sit down. And they're like, well, you can't sit over here. You have to just sit on that side. Like, literally, it's, I can see the other chairs, and there's really no difference in me sitting here versus sitting over there. But they literally made us move. Like, why? Why am I getting up and moving over there? Okay. So then we get up to the, to the counter or whatever, and um, I have my license, and I have my passport, and I have my green card, just in case, because I know they'd be on that other stuff. So I give them all my information, and my mom, I don't think she had her passport with her. She had her driver's license and her old green card, but she did not have her passport. So because she didn't have her passport, they literally, they were like, well, we need to have your passport um, because I guess because they, we had to turn in our, um, we had to turn in our green cards because they're not going to give you a new one right away. They do all this stuff there, and then you have to come back, and, or they send it to you or whatever. So she we ended up having to leave and go take passport pictures for her just so that we could go back and so that she could turn in this passport picture with her old green card. And they gave her like a voucher that was like this kind basically in mine, they put a stamp that pretty much was my green card, but her, they gave her like a voucher. They were like, yeah, this is going to, this is, this will do until you get your new one in. I'm like, what is this? This is ridiculous. And anyways, so that's just, the bare minimum of the headache that we, that I personally have endured. My mom, last time actually she came back from the Netherlands, she was stopped. They stopped her at the airport and she had to wait in, in a holding room for like two, three hours because her, she, I think because she had just gotten married or something stupid and they wouldn't let her go. They wouldn't let her through. She, she had to sit there for like two or three hours before they finally let her, let her go. And they're like, yeah, you're fine. Like, it's, it's just retarded. Anyways, that's just, um, again, that's just my personal experience. Um, one of my best friends actually has an even in, more interesting story regarding her um, citizenship and her green card and everything like that. So I really would like for her to tell her story. So, Mikey, if you can bring her on. <laughs> she is she is on the line with us. Welcome to We the People Radio. Hi Yay. everyone. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Hello. Um so I guess I could just start off with us telling my the short version of my story. Um originally from Jamaica. My mom moved to Atlanta in 2001, January 2001, got a job, and the rest of her family moved up in July 2001 under an H-4 visa, which is basically a work permit for um, my mom, and then it sponsors her family. Since then, um, we recovered. My sister, I started eighth grade. My sister started high school. We were good until my mom's job switched. The company basically went bankrupt, and she switched. So her status at that point, when she lost that, we lost everything, our status. Um, crazy enough, we were still able to get into college, you know, live <laughs> what seems like a normal life. We were good. Until 2000, well, my sister graduated college 2009. I graduated 2011 because now we are in the status of basically illegal status. 
how we became illegal, also my mom had this lawyer, which I'm pretty sure she just took her money and <laughs> ran with it. Um, mm-hmm. She had a lawyer that basically applied for adjustment of status, which is basically applying for your green card. However, there's two different, there's multiple ways to do it and on multiple different forms and money and everything that you have to pay. Unfortunately, our lawyer applied for, did the wrong form and everything just went wrong. We got our interviews because, of course, you have to always do an interview. Um, went to our interviews and we got turned down immediately. Like, there's no reason why you guys would have gotten to the interview part if this form wasn't approved, which we did not have. That also showed fault in the system that we got so far to the interview, but we didn't have the first approval form, which is so weird. So fast forward to uh, 2012 under the Obama administration, um, DACA was passed. Of course, you guys know it's deferred action for childhood arrivals, uh, protect anyone that was basically brought into the U.S. by their parents unlawfully. However, we we were brought in lawfully. Our last stamp in our passport show lawful entry, which my story at that point is different from other people. Um, under DACA, we are allowed to work. We are allowed to have our license. It's a two-year, um, basically a two-year permit. Um, has to be renewed every two years, and I think it's like $485 per renewal. Um, so everything was it was a good like coverage for the first two years, and I mean we it was approved I believe in maybe July 2012. Don't hold me to that, but um, we were like one of the first set of applications. We got our our original um, documents within like three months, which is amazing processing time for USCIS. Um, so. We got our first, like, documents and stuff late 2012, and we have renewed every two years since. So right now we're on our third um, filing. Of course, when 45 got into the office, he wanted to do undo everything President Obama did. Um, he gave the Senate, Congress, until September, no, no, no. It was in September 2017 who made the decision, gave them until March 5th, 2018 to make a decision, and, of course, since then, nothing has been done about it. Um, mm-hmm. Advantage, of course, with DACA is I'm able to work, able to have my license, but at this point, I literally am terrified waking up and checking his Twitter to see if he's, like, lost his mind and says everyone's just done. So that's like the anxiety of my part, not knowing what's next, what can happen. I've got, we've got to immigration lawyers to see what our options are. And honestly, like it's either, so at this point, since we were, we became unlawful status in 2000, I think it was 2010. We are, once you stay unlawfully for anything more than a year, there's a 10-year ban. So if I was to ever leave the country, I could not come back for 10 years. Um, that's, of course, not an option. My whole family is now here. Like, <laughs> I haven't even gone back to my home country just because there's that chance of me never coming back. Um, 
so we've gone to immigration lawyers, kind of just trying to find out what's the status, what we can do. And at this point, our only advantage is the fact that we were originally lawfully brought in, but our only option is to get married. So, like, when people are like, oh, just do a green card, marry, and you have friends, yeah, it's not that easy. Like, I... I always dreamed of my first marriage being based on love and, you know, I'm not doing it to get that, just my status. So there's a lot going into it. It's a lot working with people, not understanding the full details of it. Most people that I interact with on a daily basis do not know I'm covered under DACA. They think I'm just a citizen. I bought my first home last year. I own a car. Like I live my life. As a normal, regular citizen, the only two things I can't do is I can't vote and I don't get government benefits, which at this point I don't even need it. So get my taxes taken out, every paycheck like everyone else, those are just the only two things. And I feel like I've contributed so much to to this country on my own that that little card that's sitting in my wallet that expires (laughs) in November of this year shouldn't determine, like, and it shouldn't be up to 45 to make that decision. So, yeah, yeah that's my <laughs> unfortunately, that's my story. Like, my anxiety over the past two years has been out of this, like, out of the world. Like, I, in 2016, um, November 2016, I got laid off from my job. And it was such a sticky situation just because, within the next week of me getting laid off the job, my DACA card expired. Now, of course, it was I already submitted my paperwork for renewal, but in that same week was the election. And just my mind was blown. I was so for Hillary just because it made it was one of her biggest things that within the first 90 days she was going to guarantee, like, a road to citizenship. And I think like 45, he's, and I do not say his name, I'm sorry. Um, He is just like, oh, well, I'm giving Congress, they had one job to do that, the Democrats are holding it up, and I feel like that's his way of just putting blame on someone else because he wants this wall and he's the only one that wants the wall. Like, it's not going to work. There's been so many, like, Barr Patterson uh, deals that have been presented to him, and he's like, no, it's not funding my wall. It's not funding my wall. I don't want to hear it. And that's absolutely ridiculous to me. It's so many people that are covered by that. And I think people are often confused by that, thinking it's only, like, Hispanic descent or whatever. Like, I'm, I guarantee 85% of people I know would never know that, I'm covered by DICA. Like, they would think I'm just a regular citizen. So, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's really, really crazy. Um, the immigration process of just getting money out, we've applied. We, My sister and I were like, oh, well, let's just apply for green cards and see what happens. That's like $1,200 each, and that was denied because, <laughs> of course, we didn't know. Right. It's, <laughs> they literally suck money out of you. It's crazy. Um so as of right now, just not knowing what tomorrow might be. Like I have a little thing, like every morning I check like my Instagram, check my Snapchat, but unfortunately I check his Twitter too just to see if anything happens like overnight that I might have missed. And, you know, Twitter fingers, he just gets up and makes these decisions without like 
the right process. And unfortunately, like, I knew when um, President Obama did grant DACA, like, I knew it wasn't a permanent fix, but it allowed me to experience more things. Of course, coming straight out of college, I was I wasn't able to have a job for the first year out of college just because it wasn't lawful or I guess, yeah, I guess lawful you would say. So, yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> that's my story. You guys have any questions? Girl, you so covered sad. all of this, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, that's so sad. I remember when you first told me, and I really had no idea. Like, I mean, I don't yeah. even think, I just thought that you were just, like you said, a regular citizen because you never really mentioned anything. Like, I feel like I right. know, I put it out there all the time that I'm not a citizen. <laughs> like, right. it's just different, like, because I have the green card and I have that security. It's different. Right. Exactly. And it was so crazy because, Sheila, I remember when you, it was Thursday when you asked me about um, doing the podcast, and then it was so crazy because Grey's Anatomy's um, episode this week also yes. focused on immigration. And I was oh, my gosh, so and crazy. Star. Yeah. So, Did you watch the Star episode? Huh? Did you see the Star episode, too? Uh-uh. I didn't see the Star episode, oh. either. But, um... It's just so crazy that it was, like, focused on immigration. She was covered by DACA. And it's literally not knowing, like, if ICE wants to just do a search, a Facebook search, and say, oh, origination, like, or where you were born, and just come and get you. Of course, DACA, you are covered to some extent. But God forbid you're at the wrong place at the wrong time, and you get a charge with something, that they can go ahead and just support you right then and there. And it's, yeah. it's crazy. But, I mean, yeah, I guess there's just a wall and you have to follow it. But, yeah. Ramona. It's, oh, I think. Go ahead. Sorry. Hey, no, go ahead. guys. Good, good evening. This is Ramona Shanae. And um, to the lady that's sharing her story, I'm just I'm in so much shock. And the reason why I say that, not really a shock thing. Um, one of the reasons why I had asked um, the people to do a story on immigration is because I don't how ignorant I was to the situations that go on here. You know, we always read immigration laws and this, this, and that, and, you know, we just say, okay, apply for the paperwork or whatever the case may be. I'm like, I'm a citizen, okay, let me just keep on moving. I don't really understand all this other stuff. Because, you know, in the quote-unquote American life that we live, there's just so much drama and craziness that we don't pay attention to things that don't affect us. And the only time I read a story on Facebook when I had, like, a upper respiratory infection and laryngitis, so I really could not talk. All I had to do was just scroll on Facebook, where I saw one of my my friends that I sit with, I sat with for, like, three months next to this person, and I saw a story about what they're going through with the whole DACA process. And I was like, what in the world is this? And what do you mean? Mm-hmm. What do you mean she's not a legal uh, resident? What is? What the heck is DACA or DACA? Am I even saying this right? What is this stuff? And to hear your story, and which is basically, it's, it's not the same as his, but, you know, like Sheila Bailey hearing yours and everything else, and I'm not speaking for a lot of people, but I'm speaking for myself. I was totally ignorant of all of this up until a couple of weeks ago. 
And I'm so sorry that you guys have to go through this. And it, it's, it breaks my heart. And it's, yeah. But the thing about it is is that I, I went to, um, to Anthony and I said, you've got to do a story on this. My people don't know this. Comments that they were making, like what you were saying, if you left the United States, you could not come back for 10 years. One person told this individual that I'm referring to, oh, just go back to the country you know nothing about. And then, you know, go go back and come back the right way. Well, like you said, you have your life. um, Mm -hmm. They have a job. They have all their family that's there. Everything is established. The only thing that they don't do is, I guess, vote or whichever. And I'm Mm -hmm. saying they just, you know, because I don't want to reveal who they are. But um, having that anxiety on a daily basis if, 45 is going to get finger happy and do something silly, um, that's a horrible way to live. And I'm sorry that you have to go through that. So, And I just want to throw in my comments with that real quick. I know um, there's some callers and everything else, but um, I, I commend each and every one of you guys with everything. And um, as long as I have a voice and I can talk, I'll make sure that I bring awareness to this. Oh, that's awesome. amazing. Thanks, guys. Um, one thing about like the ignorance too. It's like even my I had a coworker where we were in the lunchroom and it was like three of my coworkers and we're just talking about like where everyone's from and I, you know, mentioned, oh yeah, I'm from Jamaica, and my coworker made this comment like, oh, do you have your green card? Are you legal? Do I need to call ICE on you? And uh, at that moment, I was so broken. Wow. I called, like, I walked away. I had to call my mom, and I was in the bathroom, like, crying for 30 minutes. Because at that point, uh, like, how do I react? Do I call yeah. her insurance? Do I go tell HR? Like, I don't know what to do. I was just like, let me just remove myself from this situation and just <laughs> handle it the best that I can. And I just, I mean, cried to my mom. She was like, you know, that's not going to be the first person that's going to say something like that to you. And it's not going to be the last, like it, it happens. People are ignorant people. And I wouldn't, I don't want to say people are ignorant, but people focus on different things in their life. Someone born and raised in in America wouldn't even have to think of the fees, just the processes and stuff with immigration. So that's her bad, whatever, but something so insensitive, like, Oh, especially in this day and age, like just keep that to yourself. (laughs) <laughs> Keep it to yourself. Yeah, so, people yeah. think that they're funny, but it's not a good joke. Like that's not something that you exactly. joke about. And you know that's what? Let cool. me. Speaking of ice, let me just say this real quick because um, you touched on um, the smallest thing, right? The smallest thing could essentially get you deported. So mm-hmm. I work with insurance, and um, matter of fact, the girl on Grey's Anatomy, she um, the whole reason why she was in that predicament is because she right, ran right, a red right. light. Yeah, so mm-hmm. she ran a red light, and um, I guess because it's in Seattle, downtown or whatever, so they have cameras, and the cameras caught her, and um, so I was looking for her. Well, actually, so I work with insurance, and um, so basically I'm a claims adjuster, and, um, you know, basically what I do is determine who's at fault for accidents, right? So I get statements, et cetera, things like that. Well, I had one one accident where, 
we were not at fault. It was an intersection accident. We're going straight down the road, and this, this person wants to make a left turn. You know how you make a left turn? You have a solid green light, and if you think it's clear, then you can go. So that's what this mm-hmm. other person did. My driver was going straight. This person cut in front of her, and it didn't happen. Well, she had an expired license. Oh. They called ICE on her. Yeah, so she had an expired oh. license. As soon as the accident happened, they called ICE on her, and they took her to jail or took her to be deported just that quickly, yeah. just for having an yeah. expired license. Yeah, yep. it's it's scary. And that was not my first claim that I had like that. And that's scary. Like, can you imagine, like, literally – you haven't, like, she was just going to Kroger. Like, she lives yep. five minutes away. She was going to Kroger. She got in an accident. wasn't even her fault. They wouldn't even take her statement. They, the cops didn't even, they didn't even take her statement. They called ICE, and they came and detained her. Jesus. And, yeah, it's, 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 it's very real, and it's very scary. And the other, the reason why I brought up Star, so I don't know if y'all know, there's the show out called Star. It's a really, really good show. It's about the music industry. Well, one of the girls, so it's three girls, one white girl, one mixed girl, and a black girl. The mixed girl and the white girl are supposedly sisters. They don't look alike. <laughs> Down, whatever. And, but the mixed girl, she, um, no, 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 no. This had nothing to do with them. Sorry. This is a whole other person. So this is like um, a whole other girl, like um, another singer's mom. She's Dominican or something. It's actually Lala. She plays the role. And um, she, I don't remember exactly why she ended up in um, in the prison. I'm going to call it a prison because that's what it is. They put you in a cell, and you're basically in jail until you get deported. And so she was in jail. And she, whatever small offense that she did, I mean, he, the, um, the officer, she was like, I just want to see my baby. Where's my child at? Blah, blah, blah. And then he was like, what? And she was like, you don't even care. Like, whatever she said, you know, I mean, she was, like, in this, like, pretty much solitary confinement. And Mm -hmm. um, the officer was like, what? Are you mouthing off to me? And then he just, like, started beating her up, like, really bad. Like, obviously, it's a TV show. But still, it hits on the whole immigration, and that's exactly what it is. They're in in jail. For what? For an expired license? Right. It's really sad. Yeah, it's scary. Yeah. We've got a we've got another caller I'm going to bring in now then and she's got her story. Hello. Hello. Oh. Hi. Hi everyone. Hi, Jonna. Hey. <laughs> so, you, you've um, been on here before with us as a as a guest. So tell us about your uh, your story. With this. Yeah, we probably don't need to say my name there because I'm still in the middle of immigration stuff. But yeah, we're we're, we're not saying um, names. So. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, you're, you're good. Um, so my story is obviously a little bit different. Um, I came here. Um, I was over here traveling, um, and I met my now husband. Um, and so we had to make a decision whether we were going to live in this country or Australia, where I'm from. And we decided that we would live here. Um, So we decided to apply through um, a K-1 visa, which is otherwise known as a marriage visa. And so I had to go home while we filed all this very expensive and extensive paperwork. Um, 
in order we had to basically prove that our relationship was real um, and, you know, give them evidence of how and why it was real and why they should believe that we were really in a relationship and they should let me hear. Um, we had to wait about a year while I was in Australia and my now husband, fiancé at the time, was back here in the States. Uh, that's actually quite a short wait. Um, you know, there's couples who are applying from other countries, like mainly sort of African countries or maybe in the Middle East, who wait years. Um, so we were pretty pretty lucky to only have to wait one year. Um, and once my visa was approved, um, I was able to come over here. And we then had three months to get married and file our marriage paperwork. Um, and then that starts the whole new process of applications and fees um, that we had to file. I think the other callers both mentioned about how expensive the process is. Like every time you have to put in an application, it's another thousand and something dollars. Like it's really expensive. And people talk about, you know, the amount of money that's spent on immigration um, in this country. But what people don't realize is that the USCIS, which is the United States Citizen Immigration Services, so the department that um, actually takes care of all of the immigration, they're actually self-funded by the people who are making the applications. So very little of their funding actually comes from the government. Their funding comes from us, the people who are putting in applications for visas. Um, Yeah. Um, I think I read, I think it's like 1% or something of their funding actually comes from the government, which I'm sure is still a sizable amount of money, but you know, it's not a lot. Um, so we put in our paperwork to, um, again, prove that you know, we had got married um, and that our marriage was real. And um, we had to wait for all of that paperwork to be processed. And so while that's being processed, you know, I wasn't allowed to work or leave the country. Um, so you're kind of just waiting. Um, and then once that was approved, I was issued a two-year what's called conditional green card. And so you're given a green card, but instead of the um, 10-year green card that I think Sheila was talking about having, it's only for two years. And at the end of that two years, you have to then put in another application and, again, prove that you're still married and that your marriage is real. Um, they pull you in for an interview and they can ask you anything and everything about your relationship and, you know, like, literally anything they want to know, including, you know, what colour underwear your partner's wearing that day. Um, and then at the end no of the interview... Oh, yeah, like... Is that really a question? Yeah, they ask more intimate questions than that. Like that, like, I've heard of people getting asked, you know, when did you last have sex? Like all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, we haven't been asked any of those questions, but we're also still waiting for our next interview. So who knows? Um, and then once you've had that interview, then um, if it's approved, then you're issued your 10-year green card. <clears throat> which then puts you in the position that Sheila is now in where every 10 years you have to reapply 
for a new green card unless, of course, you um, go down the path of applying for citizenship. And then that's a whole other process, expensive process. Um, I guess I was fortunate where I was coming from um, when we were deciding, like, we kind of had a choice of what visa I could apply for, which a lot of people obviously don't have that privilege and that, um, you know, I I come from a first world country. There's really no reason for me to leave there other than the man I'd fallen in love with lived here. So um, we had a choice of a few visas that I could apply for. One of the um, other ones was what's called the diversity visa. Um, other people, um, 45 refers to it as the green card lottery that he's trying to end. Um, I had actually applied for that and was fortunate enough to win, I guess as they say, or be chosen um, to get one. But what a lot of people don't realise is that it's not just a matter of getting chosen and then getting to come and live here. You still have to go through the very extensive process of then applying for the visa. And one of those um, the processes that you have to do is you have to have a sponsor in the United States, which sorry, backtracking with mine as well, um, to be able to get here, you can't just put in the application and pay the money. You also have to have somebody in the United States who will sponsor you, which means that they have to be earning um, a certain amount of money. I think it's 125% of the what's considered the poverty level. I can't remember the exact amount. And they have to mm-hmm. basically sign a contract with the, with the government that they are financially wait, wait, responsible. Wait, wait. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. Say what? <laughs> and, and yeah. I, I apologize because I'm interrupting because you know some people news to me right now. So you all have to have a sponsor. Right, which my husband was able to. percent Of what's considered yeah. the po- poverty level. Yes. So if okay. you're, and, if you're and spouse you won a lottery or, too. Yes, so I got to choose which one I wanted to go, and we went, we went through the marriage visa, which I don't know. That's what we decided because we were getting married. We were getting married anyway, so that just kind of made sense. Um, So I I and I just want to say in my mind, this is how this whole conversation is going. So bear with me this moment. So in my mind, it's saying this: you're already paying so much money. I'm going to make you pay all this money to mm-hmm. come here and do all this paperwork. And apparently, like Sheila Bila said, treat you rudely while you're trying to do this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, oh, surprise, you won the lottery. Guess what with this lottery? You get to pay more money, go through more processes, and I'm going to ask you intimate questions such as, what color your under your husband's underwear are? So that's through the marriage. Clothes. That's through the marriage one, not the diversity it's one. The marriage one, not the lottery yeah. one, and everything else such as that. But you're mm-hmm. paying to be treated rudely, interrogated, and everything yeah. else such as that. I didn't want to put that out there, but yet, and oh, excuse me, I know this is just a, a throw-in, but yet we don't have any money to fix Flint's water situation still. So right. we have time uh, to do all this extra stuff. I just want to throw that out there. Okay, I'm going to go back right. on mute. Go ahead, okay. anonymous caller. So 
you have to have a sponsor who is willing to sign a contract with the government basically saying that they will be financially responsible for you for, I believe it's 10 years. And so during that, those 10 years, um, you are not eligible or allowed to apply for, apply for any welfare benefits, basically. And if you do, the person who has sponsored you, you know, if it, you're caught, basically, the person who has sponsored you is then um, held liable to pay the money back to the government. So, um, you know, you'd want to hope whoever you're sponsoring that you trust them and um, that it's somebody that you know well because, you know, it's, it's a pretty um, serious contract that you're signing. And with the visa that we applied for, again, like I said before, we were relatively um, fortunate with only having a one-year wait. Um, there are many couples I've seen, like, you know, I'm in lots of forums and stuff for people who have immigrated here through various visas. There's lots of couples that I've seen who have put in their applications, they've waited as a fiancé, they've waited like mm -hmm. years and then their application was denied. And then so they've had to go back and start again and under a different visa. Mm -hmm. So no, what usually ends way. up happening then is then they usually end up having to get married in their country of origin to the U.S. immigrant and then they have to apply under a different visa, which then is more money, longer waits, you know, they're starting all over again, basically. So it's very stressful it for like families, you know. Yeah, it is. And there's, you know, families who are separated while they're waiting for their visas to be approved, or, you know, kids who are growing up with only one parent while they're waiting for their other parent to be approved to move here or just, you know, um, spouses separated while they're waiting to come together it's it's a really stressful um process and again like the last caller was talking about you know on as being on a green card um you know if you do commit any um offenses or you know might even not necessarily be on purpose but you know running those red lights or doing those sorts of things it's it's you know stressful because it can put your um, status at risk even even when you are here kind of legally um, it can affect your green card so yeah, well, speaking it's a stressful on, process I wanted to, yeah it's really ugly um, I have another one that I wanted to touch on with that when you said um, we could pop, something that you could have done that wasn't on purpose so another one of my really good friends she's actually from England and um, she was in this she was married to an American, and um, he was in the military, which I don't know if that matters or not, but either way, they were married, they had two kids together, or they had one kid together and she was pregnant with the second one, or maybe she wasn't pregnant yet, I don't know. Either way, they ended up getting into a domestic dispute. Mm -hmm. Oh, that gets ugly, because they don't, the government, or ICE, or whomever, or both, I guess ICE is the government, um, they don't play when it comes to domestic violence. So this couple got into an argument and, you know, whatever, and he actually called the cops on her. 
First of all, wow. that's a, a, a bitch move. I'll just say that. Yeah. And <laughs> second of all, she's on a green card in the United States. Even though she's married, you know, she's on a green card. So now this happens, and I don't even know how it came to light, but years later it ended up coming back and biting her in the butt. And she has been in a, in a battle where, like you said, she, well, um, the other caller earlier said she, can't leave, she couldn't leave the country. So, you know, whenever this, um, whenever this case opened up, um, I don't know, it was at least four or five years ago. So she's been in this battle going back and forth, and her lawyer's been trying to help her and, you know, get her off and everything or whatever, free her essentially because she wasn't able to renew her green card. She wasn't able to, re- like, none of her stuff was able to be renewed. So she couldn't even, like, apply. Like, she could only work at the job she was working at because, you know, when you apply for a new job, if you have a green card, that's the first thing they ask for. They either ask, they ask for some type of proof that you're a citizen here. Well, that's your citizenship, your green card. So if, you don't, if your green card's expired, you know, that's done. You can't apply for no new job. Like, it's expired. You're essentially not even allowed to be here. So, yeah, it's, it's the whole, I mean, I, she ended up, matter of fact, this past week, she called me and she said, yeah, my lawyer said the judge just signed off on my paperwork. I'm good. I don't even have to go to the hearing, whatever. But, I mean, it's been like a five-year process. That's ridiculous. And, like, why? Why put someone through that? Why? I mean, her grandmother died over, you know, during this time. She couldn't even go to the funeral because it's in England. Like, mm. that's ridiculous. That's so sad. Like, you're keeping people from their family for what? Like, for absolutely no reason. It wasn't even any foul play, essentially. I mean, it was just a fight, you know? And in the heat of the moment, you get mad, you call the cops, whatever, and, you know. But it has long-term ramifications. Horrible. Yeah. And every time you leave the country, it is really stressful. And, I mean, I know I'm fortunate enough that I, my status allows me to leave the country and come back. But, you know, I've been called to the back when I've, come through customs and um you know you get questions they look through your paperwork and you know that that's stressful and you know, it can be humiliating wondering right exactly because like they treat you like a criminal but what did you do wrong you're just not an american like it's ridiculous i'm so sorry that's so sad that you guys have to go to this Yeah, I don't know if sad is the right word. Yeah. But it is depressing. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I guess I feel like, um, you know, hearing other people's immigration stories, I really don't have a lot to complain about. Um, Like I said, I come from an awesome country and I'm fortunate enough to get to choose to live here. So, you know, a lot of people aren't in that position. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, the processes could be made a whole lot easier. Um, but yeah, it, it makes me mad sometimes, but it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so sad. I just, I don't even know what to say to that. You guys go through the worst things ever just to be able to live comfortably. Well, St. Jane. You're, you're that millennial that gets to vote for this. You are our future. Exactly. And so we're we're passing the torch on to you 
I know I keep saying this week after week, but this yes. this torch is being passed on you because it's up to you to encourage your friends to get out there and vote, to read these politics and, and immigration statuses and things such as that. It's up to you. And the thing um, is all on you now. Yeah, to be aware of it. I mean, the previous caller was talking about that she's covered under DACA and she's from Jamaica and yet 45 is talking about building a wall for Mexico. Like, it doesn't even make sense. I'm still trying to figure out why why we need this. What is yeah, the whole it doesn't thing even make law? sense. It never made sense. Yeah, it's just racism. Hmm. There's no wall oh, being we, built we, on Canada. We, we've got another caller that we're going to bring in. So. All right. Um, previous caller, we're going to put you on mute. Thank you for calling in. You're welcome. Thank you for calling in. We love you. And caller, you're on the air. We the People Radio. How can we help you? Yeah, how y'all doing? Hello. Good. We're good, man. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, this is Naj. Uh, I've been listening and you know, it's, it's really important to get these personal stories out there, but I also think it's important to get the context of, of what we're talking about out there as well uh, because people like to, you know, they like to hide how they feel under policy and, and not actually get into the meat and bones of it. So, like, we're laying all this on the line. What we're talking about is if you're not an African-American or a Native American, then more than likely in the early 1900s, you came here under chain migration. So to turn around and act like this is some kind of unspeakable act of people who have nefarious ideas, you know, you're already dealing with grifter territory. Uh, the second part would be I, I would like everybody when you get off this phone to look up the average uh, age of U.S. citizens. And what you'll see is we have an aging population, which means if you have a low birth rate, you need to bring in people from other places. Why? Because those people are going to be the ones who uh, pay the taxes, uh, support your pensions, support Social Security, and all the other things that keep things going. This is not just a U.S. thing. This is going on in Europe as well. You look at their birth rate, you see the same issue. So not only are immigrants needed, but you want a diverse pool of talent to draw from because the more diverse the pool of talent you draw from, the more you'll be able to figure out how to solve your problems, the more you'll find you know, uh, hell, Steve Jobs' father was a Syrian, okay? He's an immigrant Syrian, and he produced Steve Jobs. Those are the kind of stories that you actually get by diversifying your population and bringing in more people. So this anger and sentiment that these people are hitting on and always blaming, you know, the others, and any group will do uh, mm-hmm. when, when, the period, when the period is in play. And right now what we're dealing with is people lashing out, and their anger is that these people – as opposed to, you know, a production economy where people used to be able to make a living wage even without, you know, a college degree or things like that. So dire life conditions has caused people to go to their worst extremes of racism and nativism, and now they're applying that in policy. And the sad thing is, even if ICE does as many sweeps as to make these people's hearts feel good, it won't actually change their own economic conditions or their own uh, lifestyle. So this is the, the old blame game that's been played many times. I'm glad you guys are, are showing, shining a light on these stories. But I think it's very important that Americans know that 
This is simply a policy to get you away from actually fighting for better wages, better working conditions, and better living. Uh, we got three states where teachers are actually out here protesting for better wages. Public officials, now teachers. Now, if we won't pay teachers, who the hell will we pay? So, I mean, that mm-hmm. kind of lets you know the conditions that we're in now. Uh, and I don't lay all this in the lap of 45. Remember, Obama deported 2.5 million. He should be uh, mm-hmm. just as, you know, ridiculed for what he did. He was just as in play as in this one. So the Dems don't have clean hands here either. But the issue, no matter mm-hmm. what, is you have to get Americans to realize the working class and, and normal folks' lives will not be fixed by blaming other people and looking to, you know, kick them around as much as they can. And when you see the sentiment, like, like the guy. girl said at the at the workplace, where you talked about somebody actually saying, "Should I call ICE?" and things like that, but ICE is a new institution. It, they didn't put that into play, I think, till after I want to say after 2010. But ICE has not been around long. Like this is a new way of uh, you know people being able to get off their their aggression towards other groups, but won't actually change their own lives. And again, thank y'all for. Uh, Given the stories here, because it's really good for people to get the stories, because they can put that to a human context. But I, I would challenge people to take it a step further and start looking at it and say, wait a minute, what does immigration actually do? What's the purpose of immigration? And what are all these cons that are telling me that are actually hurting the country? Does it actually bring down wages? No. Does it actually bring down educational outcomes? No. Uh, the actual benefits of immigration far outweigh any uh, significant things you want to talk down on. And when you talk about crime or anything like that, they have the same crime rate as any other swath of people that you want to collectivize and, and, and bring up crime with. So just just keep looking and always have your, your information ready uh, because these people are not arguing from a position of truth. They're arguing from a position of emotion and racism and nativism. And at a certain point, man, we got to confront this stuff. It can't be about shaming. It has to be about standing up to them and telling them, no, this shit ain't right, and, and we're going to tell you about yourself. But uh, good job with you. Yeah. What's up here, man? Yeah. Right? Thank you. Word to you, him. You, sir, are welcome back anytime that you want to. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, and that's don't get one of the most, that's I'm one sorry, most realist it. comments. That, I'm so sorry. That's one of the most realist comments that there are that's been said in a while. And I'm sitting here in the background. I'm just like, yes, yes, say that, teach that. That's what it's about because, you know, we can sit there. If we don't confront these issues, and that's what I love so much about we the people, and let me hurry up and say my comment before they put me on mute. That's what I love so much about we the people because they're willing to say, okay, We've got all these issues that's going on. Well, let's let's come break bread, you know, Sunday nights and have a conversation about it. And not just, you know, Sunday nights when we're on the air, but they actually take it from Sunday nights and they impart it throughout the week. And what you're saying about the teacher, um, about the teacher strike that's going on, strikes, I believe, um, I know Oklahoma's got something really big going on. And, you know, Everything from, you know, the bombing that just recently happened. When you're talking about, you know, these immigration laws and things such as that, you know, you want to go bomb another country. And, and yes, sometimes we do need to step in. Sometimes we do need to step in. However, comma, um, 
but you're not willing to allow the people that you're displacing to come into the United States without red tape, all of those things, and such as that. These are great teachers. These are great mathematicians. I'm telling you, my math totally sucks, and I'm not helping the American gene pool with my, my math brains because my math brain totally sucks. But these are our next our next um, innovators, inventors, and iron sharpens iron. I think Mikey always says it best. We are part of the human race. We are part of the human race. Iron sharpens iron. I love what that guy just said, and he deserves another round of applause. That's what I have to say about that. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, congrats to y'all, man. Keep it up. I'm going to hang back and listen. All right. I love that caller. He was just great. Yeah, that that was great. He needs like a Grammy or something. (laughs) 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 A Grammy. Then again, all the other callers do too because their stories just, it really opened the eyes and the mind of like, well, me, for instance, and you too, Sheila Bieler, because I I didn't realize how much crap, you know, stuff that you guys have to go through in order just to be, you know, comfortable here and to make a living. Like, I thought I had to go through some stuff when I was living in Korea, and I was just like, man, I got to leave Korea for like some days just to, you know, come back to there since I don't have my green card or citizenship or whatever over there. I was just like, what the crap? But hearing y'all, I'm just like, uh, let me just shut up and be quiet. So I'm really yeah, sorry that y'all have to go through crap. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And then the fact that y'all have to pay basically your life savings just to live here, it makes no sense. Yep. And then and it's not even a guarantee that you get to stay. Yeah. That's, that's really what got me. Like, people are so yeah. ignorant, and they really don't think about the things that they say. Like, you, like, to me, now, if you say something like that to me, it's different because, obviously, I mean, or, well, no, they say the same type of thing to me. Ooh, are you are you an illegal alien? Like, if I don't have a green card, that means I am legal. Thank you. But regardless, even if I didn't have a green card, why would you say that? That's just ignorant. Exactly. Like, that's, you know, like, unnecessary. You're just trying to be funny, but it's not a funny subject at all. Exactly. Because here in, like, I feel like, Somebody said that around the right person, they'd probably be a snitch and just say the, yeah, like, you say the wrong thing or watch. Yeah, dang, that that sucks really bad. I feel so bad for our callers. Mikey, you've been really quiet, brother. Where you at? <laughs> nah, um, he's keeping his foot out of his mouth. <laughs> that's what he's doing. Wow, wow, exactly. No, um, Y'all been keeping me busy on the back end tonight. We've had so many callers that I've I've just been keeping switching back and forth, trying to keep everything in check. No, it's it's eye opening for real. It really is. I had I had no idea the amount of things or the just the the process behind it because you know I always thought that once you married an American citizen that that was it, like it was an automatic thing, like and it apparently it's not. Like it's a real deal. It's a real process. So I, I do. I and, and the, I feel bad. And the crazy thing, feel, it's not a guaranteed process, right? That right. that's what well, you. I'm like, okay. So you know, in, in our ignorance, we sit there and say, 
Okay, well, and, and you know I'm so mad about the whole thing that prompted this. So in our ignorance, we say, okay, go back to the country you came from, um, kick him out, they're here illegally, do all this stuff um, or whatever. They need to go stay in the line and fill out paperwork just like, you know, our ancestors did and everything else. But you didn't pay all this money and you didn't even guarantee. That's, that's right. the most craziest thing in the world to me. And, you know, she would be like, I ran across the same situation where, you know, you hear about people that might commit a small traffic infraction and they are gone within 24 hours. They've paid their taxes. Yeah. And I'm using say not to separate myself, but just to protect the parties that are involved. So let me do my disclaimer. But they pay their taxes. They um, are upstanding citizens. They do every process the right way. They are not thugging. They're not doing anything else that a lot of us, uh, quote, unquote, the actual American citizens are doing or labeled to. Um, but they're actually doing the right thing. But you should not have to live. And we have, I love my soldiers, and I love my little baby soldiers that have all, you know, I, I have a house with kids that don't belong to me. And they've all went into a military branch. I love my little military babies. They are on, they're risking their lives on a daily basis to protect the freedom and integrity of this country. And while they protect the freedom and integrity of this country, we are not even doing our due diligence to make sure that we are at least giving the respect to the people that are trying to do it the right way. I'm sorry if you are in a and she would be like your story just got me on edge to make you move and ain't nobody there. What type of nonsense is that? And it may not be yeah. every location, but that's that to me. That does not dick dick. That does not say about us being just human. That's that's beyond American citizenship. That's just being human. You know, treating people with respect. Look at them in the eyes, speaking, saying hello, smiling, things such as that. You know, I think it was last week we talked about being spoiled and all those other things. Um, we have the one college that called in and was like, you know, we're worried about clean water. If we got a place to lay our head, if we got this. And we're still going, we're going to, people are paying to come into this country. Um, okay, I'm just going to go back on mute. Mikey, I apologize. Apparently, I'm being told I'm doing the most. But literally, I, I'm just floored with this whole conversation. I honestly believe we need to have an immigration vote, too. Because there's more people that don't know about We the People, and they need to tell their story. True. Indeed. How does that Indeed. My my thing is so as American citizens, which you know seventy five percent of us on this call are or of, of the four <laughs> are um we um we take for granted and we talk a lot of trash about this country because we we want it to be better than it is. But then you stop right. and think about all the people that are coming here because it's so much better than where they're from. 
Then you, you mean like we've ta- like we have talked a lot of trash about our country since we've started this show because and, and it's not and it's not discouraging about America. It's we want it to be better. Like that's the whole point of this is to enact change and to create a better future for the next generation. But it, it does. It gives you perspective. Like as bad as we think it is there are people that risk their lives just to get here because it's so much better than where they're from. So that's sort of what I take from the whole immigration thing. That's great, Mikey. My whole thing is, I just, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just wanted to say that when one of the previous callers um, messaged in and said, how is USCIS funded? Unlike most other federal agencies, it is funded almost entirely by user fees. Under President George W. Bush's um, FY 2008 budget request, direct congressional appropriations made about 1% of the budget, and about 99% of the budget was funded through fees. So keep you on the list, make more money. But uh, Wow. Well, that's what they're yeah, doing. I- they're they keep denying these people so that they can get more and more money out of them. And then if they're lucky one day, they'll be like, okay, we've, we've sucked you dry. So you can be an American now. It's it's like the system is rigged for everybody to keep us all poor. What is, and, and I might be just saying this wrong, but why does that remind me of like the whole indentured servant process from way back when? Is that just mm-hmm. me? It's not. Good call out. I mean, does does that does that remind me that you know an old for you that that's that stuff we did back in the 1700s. If I remember yeah, correctly, keep, you know, I don't remember my American history right. But isn't that not what we working, did? Even? Yeah, it it is like keep you working for me, working for me, working for me, and then when you're not relevant or not useful anymore, then. Because, I mean, a lot of the times these stories don't have happy endings. So a lot of these people, unfortunately, are getting deported. So it, that makes most, it even most worse. Most of the time the stories don't have right. a happy ending. You know, and the sad like, part is, like, they get to their country and they either have to have family there. Because, because like, when they get deported for, like, an expired license or something like that, because I asked my customer, I was like, so what happens when she gets, you know, back to that country? Like, you know, and she was like, well... I was like, does she go to jail there? I mean, she didn't violate any laws in her home country, so, you know. But she said that they, I'm sure they go to some, like, whatever location, and then if you have family there, they can come pick you up. But what if you don't have family there? They have to pay. Right. So it's almost like you go into another holding cell once you get there because you're deported, and then if you have family there, just depending on where you go, you have to pay more fees to, to come back, um, to, like, to get out if you don't right, go just to, to go jail, home, essentially. You know, um, they, you know, that sort of kind of reminds me of, like, what used to happen when the people were coming over from Cuba, and we would turn them back around, you know. And, yes, they were, they were, and that's a different process. Yes, they were entering the country illegally, you know, through the boats, the oversized boats in capsizing boats and things such as that, or did we just find them in the middle of the ocean and send them right back? But then they were forced into labor camps. They were forced 
you know, into prison systems, um, things such as that, because you left our country and, oh, you've embarrassed our land. Those are the things that they had to go through. And I, I just, you know, I know second caller story is a little bit different because she's coming from a first world country. But, you know, I have loved ones. Sheila B, like, you're a loved one, you know, and I have another loved one. But, like, what happens if they leave and they can't come back? One of my one of my closest friends had the same situation. She was like, um, if I leave, I may not be able to come back. I'm like, girl, what you mean you may not be able to come back? Hop on the plane and come back. Show them, you know, whatever, passport, whatever. And she laughed, and she's like, it's not that simple. I won't be yeah. able to come back. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, let's go get some coffee. But now, but <laughs> after that one little story came through that I literally was sitting there on all sorts of cold meds and things such as that, and I'm like, that looks like my friend. Wait, read the story. Wait, what? Who is Decca? Wait, what? What is this? Oh, heck no. You got to go through all this? And I'm not saying I'm totally ignorant of the process, but just hearing these stories, we've got to get more attention to this. Plain Jane, I know I put so much on you every week when I'm on the show, but I encourage you, invite your friends. I encourage, and I know that you do, but I encourage you to, and a lot of them are on, tell them to come off mute and ask the questions that way that they are informed because if we're just re- solely relying on the big media, big media is not even going to tell us the truth. Listen nah. to the people, we the people, and let them tell their stories. So I'm going to go back on mute again. Sorry. Right. No. And Jane, what do yes, you have to I, say? I wanted to say, <laughs> I wanted to say um, since I am all about, you know, fighting the system, I'm trying to figure out how would I change the laws, like how would I help change the laws, like would I have to go into like Congress or sign petitions from people that, you know, are citizens and, you know, have green cards or something like that or I don't I don't know. How do we change the things within the systems to help the people that are trying to have a voice but are silenced by the system? You can either be how would I go a about that? politician yourself. Um, or if you don't have that, you can always do grassroots and make sure that the correct people are getting in the office. Because remember, it starts on your local, then gets up to your state, then gets to your federal levels about who we put in. And people don't pay attention to who they put into the White House, which is why we're, we're trying to do our database that we're doing. Because people are voting for folks. You know, you get black people that are voting for people that are black just because they're black. You get folks that are pissed off at the uh, – Republicans that are voting for Democrats just because they're not Republicans, but you're not paying attention to anything. You know, they're not actually knowing what their, con- their, their candidates are about. And I point to everybody and I show them the, the grand thing that, that points to why you should understand who you're voting for, and it's Bill Clinton, because so many black people said Bill Clinton was the first black president. He's going to do all the great stuff for black people, and Bill Clinton is responsible for more mass incarceration of black people than any other president that has ever touched the face of this earth. 
you know, he has a wife who I'm so glad didn't get elected in because she referred to, you know, uh, a lot of black folks as super predators. You know, so, but you had people that voted for him just because he jumped on stage on Arsenio Hall and played a saxophone, you know. Exactly. Because they, they said he smoked weed in college and stuff, you know, and he hung around a couple of black folks and, and, and people were just so convinced, okay, and he's not, uh, you know, Bush. So he wasn't a Republican, but you turned around and sold your own selves down the river because you did not actually investigate and gain knowledge about what it actually was. And so that's a perfect example of backlash by not understanding who you're voting for. And it's a slap in the face to those who pay taxes here, you know, the whole no taxation without representation stuff from the Boston Tea Party. So you have between the people who are legal immigrants here, um, illegal immigrants here that are paying taxes, and people who are, you know, out on parole or out free from doing Fed time stuff, they can't vote. And here, you know, and they're paying, and they're having taxation without representation. And you have a bunch of people who are just going to the polls all willy-nilly, not knowing anything, voting for who the hell ever, just because they're who the hell ever. Because sometimes and they're not this person or not that person. Right. Like it's a scan contest in school or something. Yeah, and and plain Jane, I'd say to you, ask people their story. You have people near and dear to you that are going through the same process. Ask their story. What are you going through? What would you like to see change? And then make your and then research and make an informed decision. I'm sure Mikey and Sheila Beeler will have something to say to you with that. Well, yeah, y- y'all both sort of hit on what. what Y'all both hit on what I was gonna what I was gonna say, and I was gonna try really hard not to sound like an after school special or a Saturday morning cartoon, but that whole knowledge is power thing it really is. Like you have to be informed. If you want to make a change, you can't make a change if you don't know what's going on. Exactly. So right. It it starts with with educating yourself because you can't teach if you don't know. So you can't reach your generation to enact change if you don't know the answer yourself. Does that make sense? Yep. Makes total sense. It it sounds, you know, it sounds complicated, but it's really serious. If you can get enough people, like we talked on the last show, you know, each person that you touch to go out and touch somebody else, and I tell people all the time, yeah, we don't have the listeners we want on this show, but this show ain't for everybody because everybody's not there yet. You know, but if we can hit one person out of 500 and that one person can go tell 500 and hit one person, we're going to build, and after a while, we're going to spread. And people are going to realize that there's something out there, and instead of them complaining about, oh, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, I don't like this, they're going to understand the power that you actually have when you get together and you go from five fingers and you turn into a fist, you know, and you, you, you join up together and, you, you know, basically you, you Voltron up and you start kicking some butt because these people need to be held accountable. Hold your politicians accountable on every level, state, local, federal. Hold them accountable if they're not doing what it is that they said they were going to do but first, you have to have that knowledge piece, like Mikey said, and you actually have to know who it is 
that you voted for and what they actually stand up for and who is paying them because somebody's paying them. You know, you, you can't be anti-gun and vote for somebody that, you know, is getting funded by the NRA. That's just ignorance. So, mm-hmm. it, but if you don't know, then you don't know. Guess I have to become a politician then. Hopefully I won't get off or anything for being truthful. So, <laughs> this is great. Well, I am the future, so, hey. Hey. Oh. Well, I man, this has been a great show. I really appreciate everybody for calling show. in. Is there anyone else that has anything to say? Any other callers that wanted to call in and give comments or tell a story or anything of that nature? Please do so now or let us know. Speaking but if not, then I do appreciate those. I know. Well, not really because we're Probably going to do another part somewhere down the line for this, I would imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was good. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that 10-year thing. I didn't know about the 10-year thing, dude. That's jacked up. You know, I always thought it was go back home and try again, but go back home and see you, you know, from the point of where you were 20, see you at 30 or see you from 30 to 40. It's like, what? I wouldn't even want to come back no more. Like, you know what? (laughs) Fuck all that. Right. <laughs> Clearly, y'all don't want me here, but it's crazy. Like, but what? Like, you know, it's just crazy. Like, it makes you think. Like, damn, y'all gonna do all this? First of all, you're gonna make me jump through all these hoops just to get here. Number one, and then, you know, then you want to send me back, and then have the audacity to make me go through, jump through all these hoops again. Like how the other uh, caller number two was talking about how some people applied and then they got denied and they had to start the whole process over like no I don't want to come like I'm straight <laughs> y'all clearly don't want me here so exactly. you know I mean I'm, obviously that's just I can I can say that but it's easier said than you know actually done but you know it's just it sucks it's a sucky situation Sucky law, sucky. And he, like, um, I think one of the the male caller that called in, he touched on it. He was like, "It's not just like that in the United States. It's like that everywhere. It's like that in the Netherlands. Matter of fact, it's actually I don't know how bad it is, but I know it's gotten a lot worse. That's why I don't want to give up my citizenship because if I do, then God forbid something happens here and I need to leave, you know, and go back to the Netherlands as and to live there. And if I gave up my citizenship, uh." Uh-uh. I'm going to have to apply for a working visa or whatever, just like everybody else. And I'll have to jump through whatever hoops and, you know, to become a citizen again. So Mm -hmm. hence why I'm not giving up my citizenship. Mm. That's really smart. Yeah. Most some people don't think about that. You never know what 45 is going to do. I love how y'all are calling him 45. Like, that's just going to be my new thing. (laughs) 45. They were like, what? No, President Trump. Okay. But, yeah, this show was awesome. Really informative. I want to thank our callers again, um, especially especially the first two. Uh, I mean, I really like what the third guy had to say, too, but it's, it's really brave for someone that's going through the process to come in a public forum and speak out against the process. Like that's not a that's not an easy thing to do. So 
I do I do want to thank them for for sharing their stories, especially since they're both still going through it. So. And that concludes cool. our show. That does conclude the show, actually. <laughs> Very good. So thank you again, everybody. Um, thank you for all that called in, like you said. Thank you for everybody who joined us online. Um, hey, man, spread the word. You know, what we're doing is a movement. We're trying to catch this on fire and help people. Um, Sunday nights, 8 o'clock p.m., we're here changing the world one Sunday at a time, one show at a time. Oh, yeah, you can also catch us at Infinity Ward um, on Thursday the 25th, though. Making Georgia. It's going to yep, be yep. Just saying. Um, oh, thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you all. Thank you, guys. Mikey. Thank you, Plain Jane. Thank you, Sheila. Thank you, Ramona Shanae, for contributing. You guys are dope. Um, y'all are the engine behind us, baby. And we're going to make this happen. Everybody have a great night. And we'll let you know soon what the show will be for next week. Have a good night. Good night, guys. Which one to each one? Have a good night. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.